0: Let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless us as we study His Word this morning. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and we love You and we thank You for all that You are. We pray, Lord, that You would guide and direct us as we seek to study Your Word and as we seek to allow it to to impact our heart and lives. And Lord, we just pray that You will bless us now as we we, uh, pause from the things of this world and seek to allow... Uh, your word to penetrate our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 7. Uh, This morning we want to talk about a couple of different things. Uh, uh, This is uh, a day in which we commemorate and remember uh, uh, people who gave their all for our nation, who gave uh, them their life. Uh, for the freedoms that we enjoy and the freedoms that we uh, share this morning, and uh, uh, the United States is known as a nation that is a, a Christian nation or a one nation under God, as as uh, uh, we recite in our Pledge of Allegiance, and uh, our nation is a nation of. Uh, 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 a lot of things that that indicate that we have a Christian nation. We have a nation of uh, nearly fifteen hundred Christian radio stations. We have over 300 Christian television programs ninety six percent of all Americans uh, are uh, believe that uh, that God exists and that there is a God ninety six percent seventy million. Uh, uh, people in the United States uh, believe that uh, they are born again Christians. 148 million uh, profession Christians, uh, um, 62% of all Americans say that they've made a commitment. Uh, to Jesus Christ that is still important in their lives today. So if we have all of these uh, indications that we're a Christian nation, then how is it that we have uh, rampant crime? How is it that we have uh, a nation that sees... uh, one for, uh, for every 100,000 people in the United States, 455 are behind bars. We have 1.1 million Americans in prison today uh, with taxpayers paying over $20 billion uh, to house them. We have a million teenagers that run away from home every year. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among teenagers, uh, especially after uh, the impact of COVID. Uh, uh, Suicide is one of the highest ranking causes of death amongst young people. This year, Americans will spend $240 billion on gambling. Uh, This year, 2.5 million children will be reported as being abused, missing, or abducted. And reports are now show that a number one killer among children are uh, uh, is abused from their own parents. Fifty thousand drug addicted children are born every year in California alone, not nationwide, just in California. Over every year, eight hundred thousand babies are bor- born to unwed mothers. And if something doesn't change, one and a half million babies will be aborted this year in the United States. As we've mentioned uh, before, uh, we have a nation that's broken. We have a nation that's coming apart at the seams. And we ask ourselves, how can we get our nation back in the right direction? How can we get our nation to reassess where we are and to improve. Well, we can't legislate it. We can't uh, vote for right uh, as much as we'd like uh, to to, uh, vote certain people into office and think, well, they have all the answers. Uh, It's not the way in which we can go about it. We can't legislate morality. We can't legislate people uh, to uh, be Christian or one particular religion over another. Uh, we can certainly outlaw certain behaviors that will help in, in correcting some courses, but even with laws against abuse of children, of murder of children, of, of uh, all kinds of uh, things that are going on in our society and our world, you cannot. Uh, even though you make laws and legislate those things, you cannot keep people from uh, doing things that are evil in their hearts. And as we witnessed this this past week, uh, there is evil within the hearts of some that goes beyond our understanding. Uh, With the killing of innocent children in Texas uh, this past week and and, uh, two teachers that were trying to shelter those children, it's amazing to to witness the the decline of our nation. So, what do we do? I, I believe that it takes uh, a few good. Christians to literally change and transform the direction of our nation. I believe that uh, with uh, the right individuals, the right people, that God can uh, change the course and direction of a nation. And He's done it before. He's done it in the life of Israel. He can do it in the lives of those who follow after Jesus Christ and follow Him and make Him Lord of their life. Uh, Today, as we look at, at Judges chapter 7, we see the life of one such man that was called of God to to rise up and change the course of his nation, uh, change the course of his people. Uh, his his name is Gideon, and it says, Then Jerubbaal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah In the valley. So, what's the context? What's the situation? (coughs) Excuse me. How? Why is Gideon known as Jerubiel? Well, (coughs) uh, Gideon was approached a couple of chapters before here. uh, Gideon was out threshing uh, uh, wheat in. A low place. It was a wine press, but it was a low area so that he could uh, thresh wheat without being seen. Why was he being secretive? Well, the problem was is that Israel had been besieged by Midian. Now, who is Midian? Midian is a group of Arabs that were living in the area uh, of in which uh, Israel uh, was given by God, and Midian was uh, the. Uh, a nation that was uh, uh, there in that area when Israel came through. When Israel left Egypt and was coming uh, to the area uh, that they were being promised by God to take, uh, uh, Israel desired to go through a certain area uh, and the Midianites and the Edomites were in those areas and, they, and Israel said, look, we're going to go by the King's Highway, so to speak. We're going to stay on the highway. We're going to make sure that we don't deviate from it. And if our flocks uh, eat any uh, grass, if our flocks drink any water, we'll pay you whatever it is that we owe you. Uh, But we're just trying to get to where we're going. Uh, Please allow us to go through. The Midianites said, no way. In fact, they joined up with uh, the Moabites and uh, they uh, tried to get a, uh, a... prophet to come and to curse Israel. You remember uh, the story about uh, Balaam and his donkey? Uh, well, that was the Midianites that had, uh, along with the king of Moab, had tried to get uh, uh, um, Balaam to come out and to curse Israel and they uh, said, Balaam, you go stand over here on this high place and you see all these Israelites they're out there. Uh, you, you offer a, a sacrifice to God and then deliver a curse to those people so that they can be taken away. They're, they said they're like locusts on our land. They're just filling the whole... Uh, uh, countryside with their people and we don't want them around here so curse them and God directed uh, Balaam of course not to curse them three times uh, the king of Moab tried to get uh, Balaam to do that and he wouldn't so uh, he said Well will forget you and and then Balaam said uh, well let me tell you what's going to happen they're going to come and they're going to destroy you one day this is the day. This is the day. Uh but what uh, there had always been this rivalry, this uh, tension between the Midianites and the Israelites and God had, uh because the Israelites had been following after uh, the uh, gods of the people. Oh yeah, remember also uh at during the time, this time the Midianites came together and, uh, as uh, before uh, when Balaam had would not curse them, he said to them, "Hey, why don't you get the Israelites to come over and worship with your gods, and and engage in worship with uh, with you folks, and intermarry with them, and that way you won't have this conflict." Well, that resulted in the Israelites, of course, uh, falling away from God and worshiping uh, Baal, and and having a season in which they were involved in that. And God brought uh, destru- uh, a lot of destruction to the Midianites as a result of that, and caused uh, uh, thousands of their people from every, each one of their tribes to be uh, to be killed because of the fact that they had done this against the people of Israel. And so now Israel is uh, is once again falling away from God, and the Midianites have have risen in power again and they're coming and what they're doing is is they're coming into the area and every time uh, they plant crops, every time Israel begins to uh, to graze their flocks out in the fields and every time Israel is getting ready to harvest uh, some of their crops, the Midianites swoop in and they uh, begin to uh, uh, take everything that the Israelites have worked so hard to to do to prepare uh, for the year and in their crops and everything they take all their food they bring all their animals their camels and everything and, and they overtake everything and they just take away all the flocks of the israelites and and they trample down anything of value to, uh, that the israelites have and so they are being oppressed they've been oppressed for seven years God allowed the Midianites to do this as punishment because the Israelites had fallen away from the worship of God. They had begun to worship Baal and they had been uh, uh, practicing in this worship of the false god of Baal and God had been rising up uh, judges every once in a while when the Israelites uh, finally came to their senses, uh, repented before God and cried out for mercy from God, God would rise up a judge. And uh, just prior to Gideon was Deborah and Barak that, that uh, brought uh, a deliverance for Israel for a period of time, and as long as Deborah and Barak were alive, they. And usually, how it goes is uh, God would raise up a, a prophet, a, a a judge of Israel deliver them from their foe their enemy and then as long as that judge is alive that there's peace in Israel and then usually what happens after that judge dies uh, Israel begins to fall away uh, to worship of uh, idols again worship of false gods and they uh, begin to uh, be persecuted once again because God is bringing judgment upon them so uh, Gideon is threshing in the thresh, uh, is threshing this wheat, trying to be secretive about it so that he doesn't let on that he's got wheat and he's trying to thresh it in this uh, wine press. And an angel of God comes to him and he says to him that you're going to deliver Israel. and defeat the Midianites as one man. You're going to defeat them and drive them out of Israel. The Midianites were claiming an area where three tribes of Israel were uh, living. And uh, those three tribes were persecuted and had to run into the caves every time the Midianites came down. And so God said to... Through the angel, you're going to deliver Israel and you're going to do that as one man. And he, uh, so he goes and he uh, prepares to, to fight against the, uh, the Midianites. And uh, But before he does that, God tells him, you need to do something. You need to set your house in order. You need to set yourself straight. And what God tells him to do is go into your village, your uh, community, and tear down the altar to Baal and clear out the Asherah poles and get rid of all the stuff that that is related to the worship of false gods and get rid of it and rebuild the altar of God. And he does this after he uh, uh, shows... Uh, Gideon that he has an angel in his presence that's giving him this message Gideon says hey let me go and, and prepare a meal for you and he does that and the angel says put it on this rock and the angel then uh, touches the, the rock with a staff and it uh, brings forth fire and consumes the meat and consumes everything that's on and the cakes of bread that are on the rock and then the angel also ascends into the smoke uh, back into heaven uh, from the presence of Gideon and Gideon realizes that this is an angel of God and he's so worried because of the fact that he did not show reverence to God uh, for the fact that this was an angel. He just thought it was a guest, uh, someone speaking on behalf, maybe a prophet or something like that. And so uh, God tells Gideon uh, that you're going to do this after you uh, destroy the... the, uh, the uh, false uh, altar of Baal and he says I want you to place an altar on top of the rock where uh, uh, the angel descended and when he's so fearful of what the reaction will be from his community and from the Midianites in the area, that he does it in the middle of the night. And they wake up the next morning and they see that the, uh, the altar to Baal has been destroyed. Uh, this new altar to God is in its place. And uh, that there is an oxen that, that uh, Gideon was using that was sacrificed on the altar there. And so they call him Baal because he destroyed the Baal uh, altar and he uh, reestablished the altar to God, and that's uh, why he he is named here Jerubal. That's not his real name. Gideon is his real name, and they switch over to Gideon uh, at the beginning of this chapter uh, uh, to help you to understand exactly who he's talking about. So Jerubal and Gideon are the same person. And uh, so Gideon then uh, does the famous... uh, uh, Thing. He, he goes out and he gets uh, soldiers from all of the tribes there in that area, these three tribes of Israel, and he gets, gathers them all together, and he is still fearful in his heart. And for all of us, when we uh, seek to do things for God, fear can be something that overcomes us. Fear is something that, that can uh, uh, keep us from doing the things that God would have us to do. But the first thing that that Gideon did that that was uh, to set himself apart was to, to clean house and make sure that that he and his clansmen, his he and his people were worshiping God in the appropriate way. And if we want a nation that will uh, uh, follow after God and do the right things, we have to clean our, uh, come before God and ask for forgiveness. Come before God and ask for mercy. Ask uh, that God would cleanse us and make us right before Him. Then Gideon, uh, in the process demonstrates fear. After God has already given him signs and showing him that the angel was there with him, he says to to uh, God, Hey, God, if this is really what you want me to do, I'm going to put this fleece that I sleep on at night out here and I want uh, to ask that if it is what you want, uh, please allow the fleece to... Uh, to be wet as can be and the whole ground around it to be dry. He wakes up the next morning, he takes up the fleece and he can wring a whole bowl of water out of it. And he says to God, God, uh, I don't want to uh, be disrespectful to you, but please God, uh, let it be the opposite now this morning. And so he wants the fleece to be dry and the whole ground to be wet. And the next morning he wakes up and, and it's that way. So uh, uh, Gideon has his fear of following after God and God still gives him a sign to indicate that this is what God wants of him to do. And so he uh, follows in God's direction and gets ready and prepares and he calls out for all the soldiers to come. He has uh, now uh, realized that he is... Uh, just calling out soldiers from three tribes of Israel, but he has all of the Midianites that he's coming up against. And there's, uh, there's estimations that there could be on the upwards of 100,000 Midianites in this great valley that, that he sets up over against. And here is Gideon and he only has 32,000 soldiers with him. 32,000 against a much larger force, whatever that size is. And so he's he's coming out and he's preparing to go into battle. And God comes to him and uh, says this in chapter 7, after Gideon is setting up and he pitched his tent uh, there, And he's waiting. And the Lord said unto Gideon, verse 2, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give uh, the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vault themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. So God is saying to Gideon, Look, you're going into battle as if this is a battle that you normally would go out into fight. He says, You need to understand, I'm going to give you the victory. And so often we tend to think in our nation that we need to do things in ourself. If we would just simply be obedient to God, if we would simply obey God and have faith in God and trust in God, we wouldn't have to worry about... We wouldn't uh, sit there and, and say, okay, well, what, uh, God's going to deliver us. Now, what's our plan? What are we going to do? That's taking... Uh, God's desire to reestablish our nation, to cause our nation once again to fall uh, to their knees and proclaim their love for God, and to turn around from the wickedness of our of, of our ways, and say, "Well, we need to be a part of this. We need to establish some kind of uh, uh, crusade to go through our country. We need to uh, uh, to establish uh, some kind of program that we'll uh, put on television and and." Uh, and uh, broadcast to everybody in our nation to turn everybody's heart around. No, we need to let God go about the process of changing uh, the hearts of mankind. It's the Holy Spirit's task and the Holy Spirit's role to convict the hearts of men and to turn them to Jesus Christ uh, for salvation. We need to just simply be obedient, allow God to work in our lives and allow God to direct us. And so that's what God is saying to Gideon in this passage of Scripture. You have too many. If you go out into battle, even with this uh, force of 32,000 men, uh, you're going to say, hey, uh, we did this. We were able to rise up. Look at how mighty warriors we are to go into battle. And so God says, I want you to tell everybody in the next verse that's afraid to go home. He says, now therefore go to and proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from the mount. From Mount Gilead. And their return of the people 20 and 2,000 and there remained 10,000. So uh, nearly two-thirds of his uh, military force left after he uh, issued this proclamation from God. God said, I want you to tell everybody that's afraid, everybody that has fear in their heart to go home. This is ironic because Gideon, their leader, is the one that has fear in his heart. Gideon, the leader, is the one who's supposed to be the judge, the one that's supposed to rise up and and to uh, champion the message of God. He's the one with fear in his heart. He's the one that required two examples of what God was going to do uh, to to profess to him that, yes, this was God's plan. Uh, he placed the fleece out. And in spite of, uh, of what he saw at the first sign, uh, he shouldn't have needed a sign. He had the angel of God that told him what was going to happen. But he had to put out a, a test for God, and then that wasn't enough. He had to put out another test. And he's the one that's fearful. But He professes to them, everybody that's afraid, go home. 22,000 leave. He's left with 10,000. And then God says to him something that's remarkable in the ears of Gideon. You still have too many. You still have too many. You see, it doesn't require a large army of men to accomplish the task of God. As long as we have God on our side, as long as God is with us, God is able to do all things, it's God that's going to bring victory. It's not Gideon. It's not the soldiers. It's God that's going to bring victory. And the Lord said in the Gideon, verse 4, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee. There... And it shall be that whom I uh, uh, say unto thee, This shalt thou uh, go with thee. The same shall go with thee. And of the, whomever I say unto you, uh, to thee, This shall not go with thee. The same shall not go. So he brought them down, uh, the people, unto the water. And the Lord said unto, uh, to Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou uh, set by himself, likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, uh, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people were uh, bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped uh, will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go every man unto his place. So what God is saying to, to Gideon is uh, take them all down to the water. I'm going to whittle them down even more now. Remember there's 10,000 of them. He takes them down to the water and only 300 pass the test. God says send the 9,700 back on to the tent. I just want these 300. Well, that's ridiculous. You can't possibly overtake a large army with just 300 men and that's exactly what God wanted... For Gideon to understand this was God's hand. This was God's hand that would deliver them. And for our nation to return to Him, it'll be God's hand that delivers it. It's not uh, rising up somebody like Billy Graham or rising up somebody special uh, like Charles Stanley or some other preacher like that. It'll be God that delivers our nation. It'll be God that that causes us to uh, correct our course. And we as a nation need to have godly men and women that will rise up and say, I will trust in God, I will depend upon God, and I will allow God to lead my life and lead this nation, and I will trust in Him. It takes a few people, just a few people. Well, what happens next is is that uh, Gideon camps with his 300 men. God tells Gideon, I want you to do something. If you still have fear in your heart, He says, uh, go down into the camp with uh, your aid and go down to the camp of the Midianites and listen to what they say. And so Gideon does that during the night and he hears the dream that the Midianite, uh, one of the Midianite soldiers tells his friend and he tells him of a a big... uh, 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 cake of bread that comes a big loaf of bread that comes rolling down a hill and hits the tents of the Midianite uh, soldiers and destroys the tent and he says surely that means that Gideon and his soldiers are going to destroy us the next day and this gives uh, enough assurance to Gideon to go back Uh, immediately he worships God he and his aide-de-camp worship God at that point and they realized that, yes, God is on their side. Interestingly, why did Gideon need this last reassurance? He already had the angel of God speaking to him. He already had the test that he placed before God of the fleece twice. He also had God telling him, you need to whittle down your army and go in with a, a bare bones a group of men to go and take this, uh, this uh, uh, battle into your own hands. But now he goes in and it takes hearing the words of his own enemy to convince him, not God. Not an angel of God, not, uh, not uh, the voice of God speaking to him in his own life, but the voice of his enemy. We need to realize that uh, we need to have faith in God and trust in Him, not in uh, the things of this world. We don't need to trust in, in everyone else. We need to rely upon God. Gideon, the rest of the story is, is that Gideon gives his men trumpets and clay pots with uh, torches in them. And he tells them, I want you to go out and we're going to surround this great army with our men. He divides them up into three groups. And he says, when you hear what I do, you do the same thing. And he tells them uh, that they need to uh, blow their trumpets when he blows their trumpet. And when he breaks the pot, they need to break their pot and they need to shout uh, uh, the the message to the glory of God and, and the sword of Gideon. And so that's exactly what they do. And fear stru- is struck in the hearts of the Midianites and they basically uh, fall upon themselves, kill themselves in the confusion. And Gideon and his men uh, lay in pursuit and they call in the rest of the, uh, the soldiers that uh, were sent back to come and to assist and come in and, and chase the, the uh, Midianites. And God destroys the Midianites. Completely, Never again in the Bible do we hear anything of the Midianites. God completely destroys them, uh, bringing judgment upon the, the people of Midianites. But it's because God worked in the life of Gideon, not because of Gideon, not because of anything he did. God did not want Gideon to receive the glory. And you'll notice th- throughout, that's a theme throughout... Uh, these judges, that there's anything at all about the judge mentioned. It's God receives the glory. Look at Samson. Samson was a mighty man, strong man. Samson could have said, well, that's all me. Look at me, look at me. And he did. And it turned out that his brashness caused him his sight and his his strength. And God uh, listened to his prayer one last time, and he was able to destroy the Philistines because the power of God came back upon him. It's the same way with Deborah and Barak. It wasn't, uh, 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 it wasn't Barak that was able to receive the glory. It was a woman that uh, the, uh, the, the enemy king ran into her tent and while he was sleeping, she drove a tent peg through his ear. It was the woman that got the credit, not uh, uh, Barak. And he he wouldn't even go unless Deborah went with him. God received the glory. And here, Gideon's not the one that's seen as the one that's a mighty soldier. He's not like David uh, going out in battle. It's God that receives the glory. We need to give God the glory. We need to trust in God. We need to rely upon Him. We need to have faith in Him and trust Him to lead us to turn our nation once again back into Him, to trust in Him, to have faith in Him, not to have fear, but to allow faith in God to lead us to the place where God wants us to once again be reunited. And throughout the rest of Gideon's life, the people of Israel received uh, peace and had peace in the nation and peace in the land. And God can bring us back to a right relationship to Him if we have a few good men and women. They're willing to give their all. Willing to give of themselves to God and allow God to lead us in the right direction. It's my prayer that we as a nation, we as a people, would start. And it all starts within our own heart. Gideon had to set his heart straight with God had to help his community get straight with God and get right with God and and tear down the false idols, the false gods and the false altars to the false gods. He had to allow God in his strength to lead and not have fear that God wouldn't be there. He had to trust in God. We need to trust and believe in God. And I hope that's what we as a community will do, is to place our hearts squarely in faith to God, trusting in Him to lead us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You would help us today to put our hearts right with You, to allow You, Father God, to lead us. Lord, help, help us to drive out any fear that might be there. And Lord, help us to, uh, to deliver our community, our nation, back to a right relationship with you. Lord, guide us in your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.